the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. The Word of God is full of life-changing power. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse, verse 9. And... Um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, parenting, and today we're going to learn from some of David's mistakes. Uh, you know, there's two things you learn from a mentor, what to do and what not to do. And make sure you learn both lessons, okay? So, Father, open eyes, illuminate hearts. We'll give you all the honor for what you accomplish. In Jesus' precious name, we all say, amen. Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9. The prophet has just, or he's about to address David. And his statement begins with one word, why? David had just sinned with Bathsheba, but he went on for months acting like nothing happened. How many of y'all have ever been there? God had left him to his conscience for about nine months because She'd already had a baby, um, and that baby died. And uh, it's, a little, uh, it's a little space of time after that moment. But all that time, David ignored his heart. So finally, God had to send him the prophet Nathan to announce judgment. And if we would just quietly respond in our hearts to conscience and the work of the Holy Spirit, life would be a whole lot easier. Stop defending, stop deflecting. Just say, Lord, I own it. I did it. Oops. God help me clean it up. But he didn't do that. A writer said, the reason we're still alive is not because God's giving us more time to party, but because he's giving us more space to repent. And this was the case with David. Nathan said, why, David, have you despised, meaning to make light or make minor, the commandment of the Lord? David got into this mess all because though he was a leader of, of God's people, I mean, God had lifted him from shepherd to king. Despite that, he started over time to take God's word lightly. He started ignoring a little bit here and a little bit there. 
He was thinking, you know what? All the other kings, you know, do what they want to do and get away with it. Why can't I? Hmm. But no one ever makes a difference by being like everybody else. Whenever God's word becomes minor in your life, major pain always follows. So the prophet asked David a question that everyone will answer before God at some point in their life. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? God's word is intended to be the guardrails of our lives that keep us from harm. Jesus said, take from me my yoke, for my burden is easy, my burden, my yoke is light. And and what he was, was saying here is, you know, when God gives you a command, it's not to be burdensome. He also gives you the grace to pull it off, to bring it to pass, to make it happen in our lives. So God's word is really designed when received by faith to protect us. But ignoring what God's word is saying in our hearts is like getting on a roller coaster and and pulling down the, the safety handle, but not waiting for the click. And Nathan said, he's pointing his finger now in David's face. David wouldn't listen to conscience, wouldn't listen to the spirit of God. He knew what he did. Bathsheba knew what he did. People that served him knew what he did. But he wouldn't listen. So someone in flesh and blood had to stand up and speak. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with your sword. The chief, the chief charge against David here uh, is not adultery, but murder. And we see that's the first thing listed. Then it says, then you have taken uh, his wife to be your, 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 I'm sorry, to his wife, yeah, to be your wife. So the second charge here was adultery. We, we tend to focus on the salacious and miss what's equally important. And having killed him with the sword of the people of Amnon, now we get to the third charge, which was an abuse of power. David did not personally kill Uriah. He just withdrew his military support. We are not only responsible for what we commit, we are responsible for what we permit. So the prophet said, now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. This was serious, serious business. God is very intentional. God is often poetic. God knows exactly what he is doing. And David was okay with ruining Uriah's family. So ruin would mark David's family, even though God loved him, from this day forward. You see, what I've learned in life, life is is, is an echo. What we send out comes back. What we give, we get. And what we sow, we reap. Even if... You are God's beloved. He said, the sword shall never depart from your house. Why? He repeats what was said earlier. 
In case you don't understand, this wasn't because David just had a, a greater appetite than, than other men. It wasn't, had nothing to do with, with, with matters like that. The, the, the real issue in David's life was, was not, you know, he, he just had, he was just a killer and no, none, none of that was the problem. Why? Why, why, why will the sword never depart your house? Be, because you have despised me. Because you have made my word little in your life. You have not prioritized my training and my instruction and, and, and you begin to listen to everybody else except me. You're, you're, you're listening to the motivational preachers. You're listening to the psychiatrists, the psychologists. You're listening to the cultural experts. You're listening to the entertainers, but you stop listening to me. And have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. When God's word shrinks in our living, our giving, our loving, and our serving, it's just a matter of time before you do something even dumber than let it shrink. You see, I used to see obedience as a test of faith or a faith test. But with more living, more experience, and more years, I have found that obedience is simply God's way of giving me his best. You see, God is all-wise. God is all-knowing. In every command, there is a kernel of kindness. And when God tells me to do something, it's really because he's looking out for me. When your mom taught you or your dad taught you not to play in the street, it wasn't because she was trying to restrain you and keep you from having fun. She was trying to keep you safe. And in every area of my life, when I obey him, really what he's doing is protecting me for his best. And now in verse 11, Nathan really digs in. He says, listen, you're my friend, King, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate our relationship, but you need to understand whose authority I'm speaking on. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up adversity. One translation reads rebellion. You see, David rebelled against his father, against his God, and he would now experience the same rebellion in the lives of his children. I have watched people rebel in church and in circumstances, and then they're surprised by what their children do. That was free. But, but, but what did I say? Life is an echo. What we send out comes back. What we give, we get. And what we sow, we reap. And for that reason, I've learned to honor those in authority. I, I, I've learned to be slow to criticize Because my kids are going to learn from me and watch what and do what they saw me do. And when I get older, they'll do it to me. I don't want you to mishear me, though, because, you know, we don't live in a closed universe. Every rebellious child is not the result of God's displeasure. Adam and Eve had the best father possible, Father God himself. But they still rebelled. I mean, they were in the best situation, best circumstance. Imagine having a perfect wife. I do. I kind of live that way. But the the rest, no. But everything was perfect. I mean, there was no hunger, no want, no sickness, no disease, no no miscommunication, uh, no nothing. But still Adam and Eve rebelled against 
God. When we read the story of the prodigal son, he had an incredibly loving father, extremely kind and patient dad, but he still went left. So the, 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 best, or the, yeah, the best practical advice I can give you is most rebellion is simply a sign of a child fighting to be seen. And when your children rebel, they are trying to tell you something. There's, there's some area where they want to be recognized. They, 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 they want to be seen. And, 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 you know, some kids act out just to get attention. And, and, and as a parent, don't be so quick to just swap them down. Lord, what, what is it my child is trying to show me and tell me behind the behavior that I'm seeing? The prophet said, thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity or rebellion against you. Watch this. From your own house. When God's chastisement shows up in your own home, it hurts the most. It's closest to your heart. But by this time, you may not know this, but David had a family as large as an army. I mean, David had more children than Nick Cannon. (laughs) David had eight known wives, according to Scripture. Their names were recorded. But also a number of unnamed, both wives and concubines. The Bible records that he had 21, 21 children from his wives, the name wives. So imagine how many he had from the unnamed wives and concubines. You see, David wasn't just playing the harp all the time. <laughs> Second Samuel 13, 1. After this, after David's tryst with Bathsheba, we start to see what, what happens in his family because of his deed. Absalom, the son of David, his third son from another wife, Maka, the princess of Geshur. And actually, this is where Solomon got, you know, marrying foreign women from uh, to kind of, you know, make covenants between nations and lands. He got it from his daddy. So Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and she was... Uh, uh, Am- Amnon's half-sister. And Amnon, the son of David, watch this, loved her. Yeah. Say yuck twice. Yuck, 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 yuck. See, Amnon was David's firstborn son, but he was from another wife, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite. So obviously David really stayed busy here. But these stories are actually the reason why I believe the Bible. If the writers were not under inspiration to tell the truth, I would have left a lot of this stuff out. But, but the truth is stranger than fiction, and, and this, this stuff got to be real for the story to be told like this. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. So the fact that she was of marriageable age and 
and she could be married by uh, any other fella, and he couldn't marry her, made him sick to even think about it. So what we see here is some parallel behavior. Just like his daddy with Bathsheba, Amnon had a problem telling himself no. And he also knew that it was improper. Thank God that there were some guardrails left in culture for Amnon to do anything to her. And by the way, if we don't be careful in our society, I mean, there's nothing left except for this type of stuff to become normal. Verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. A little complicated, but this was his cousin. You know, some of the most poisonous people in life will come disguised as family and friends. And it's really hard to live a right life listening to the wrong people. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty fella. It actually says man there, meaning these guys were not children anymore. These were highly intelligent and capable men about to play an extremely, a very, very, very dangerous game. They were about to learn that people are not toys. You can't just put them back in the box when you're done. And he said to them, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon confided in Pookie and Ray Ray. (laughs) And be mindful who you tell your secrets to and who you get advice from. He needed a friend and said, dude, what you doing, man? That's your sister. Back off. There's a thousand other women in the kingdom. But no, Pookie and Ray Ray. He said, I love Tamar. You see, the, the difference between love and lust is lust is about the physical. Love includes the emotional and the spiritual. Lust tends to blind us to reality, but love deepens the way we see reality. He said to his cousin, I love Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. So he, he's very aware of what he's doing. Not only is he her sister, he's going to affect Absalom with his behavior. So Jonadab said to Amnon, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. You see, Jonadab knew his uncle or Amnon's dad, David. And he knew that David had a blind spot. He could not say no to his children. Somebody once said, if you raise your children, you can spoil your grandchildren. But if you spoil your children, you will end up raising your grandchildren. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food, watch this, in my sight so I can watch, that I may see it, and then that I may eat from her little delicate hand. Now David knew that his son was both spoiled and lusty. 
He also knew that his daughter, Tamar, you have to be blind not to see it. She was exceptionally beautiful. But when it came to his son, he has blinders on and he, he just couldn't imagine. His, sons, his children just couldn't do any wrong. The first lesson David teaches us about being a good parent is we must be honest with ourselves about the strengths and the weaknesses of our children. You will never help a child with their weakness by pretending it's not there. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. A lot of game going on here. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple cakes. Watch this. He says the same thing to his dad. For me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. He didn't say, dad, have her come because she's the best cook in the family. All the way Tamar seasons the bread is like none other. But what he said to his dad, I want her to cook in my sight. He wanted to watch her cook. And I want her to personally feed me with her pretty fingers. Am I the only one that would be just a little bit suspicious in this situation? You see, David was a great singer. David was a a great writer, a great warrior, a great king, but he was a terrible father. And an anointing in one place doesn't necessarily mean you have it in another. Just because you're good in one area doesn't necessarily mean it rubs off on every other area. I know some great preachers that are horrible husbands. You hear what I'm saying? Some great ushers and deacons that, that, that are horrible employees. I'm going to stop <laughs> right there. <laughs> it's going to get hard for a moment, but I'm, I'm, we're going to come out. I'm going to sew you up. <laughs> Every father must face the fact, live with the fact that one day his son will follow his example and not his advice. And David, blinded by his affection for his son, sent home Tamar. The second thing we learn from David is a good parent knows their child is not always Telling the truth. We lied as children. Who in this room did not lie as a child? Lift your hand. Good, because I was about to call you a liar today and say you ain't stopped. But, but here's the question. If you lied as a child, why would you expect your child not to lie. I mean, he, he, he wasn't, your, your child wasn't placed in a manger. You hear what I'm saying? Your child come from you. You did it. They're going to do it. 
don't be so, oh my God, you did it. Thank you. How are you going to do it? So David sent Tamar to his house saying, now go to your brother Amnon's house for him and prepare food. The third thing David teaches us about being a good parent is you can't always tell your child yes. Parents, it's okay every now and then, not always, but every now and then to tell your child no. They won't die. True story. They might even grow from a no. No is an anointed and powerful word. Use it. Add it to your vocabulary. So Tamar, innocently, went to a brother Amnon's house because dad was not honest enough with himself about his son to check him. Neither did David invest enough in his daughter to teach her the ways of the world. So she could better protect herself. Don't think I'm saying it's at all her fault. But daddies, we do need to teach our daughters that there's a world out there. And that world can be very dangerous. Everyone's not always good. Make sure that your children have a relationship with God. Make sure they know God, but also make sure they know how to handle themselves in the world. You've been listening to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. We pray that God's word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org slash salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.